knowing why your beer tastes like it does is imperative in all parts of the chain. In this podcast, part of our digital takeover on quality control and analysis, our contributing editor, Melissa Cole, shares a panel discussion with figures from the brewing industry whose roles revolve around ensuring quality and extolling the virtues of this to the wider world. As SHE Compliance Manager at Beavertown Brewery, Jessica May looks after all things health and safety, food safety, and environment and sustainability across their London sites. Previously a Quality and Compliance Manager at Fourpure and a PhD candidate at Queen's University in Belfast, Jessica's role at Beavertown as SHE Compliance Manager has allowed her to continue to develop and grow her expertise in food safety, in addition to responsibilities such as taking on artwork and label sign-off. During this discussion, she is joined by Tanya Kondrachuk, former quality manager at Leeds-based Northern Monk, and also Amber Thorne. Having started her career in beer in the sales team at Siren Craft Brew, Amber has since moved to the iconic Bristol beer scene, working with good chemistry, and is now the customer account manager at Arbor Ales. During this episode, they discuss how best to ensure the flow of essential information travels from the brew house to quality assurance right through to tap rooms and sales, and how that flow really needs to go both ways. As Melissa Cole says, this way, everyone feels empowered every step of the way to offer valuable feedback and information. <laughs> I appreciate it. So, thank you very much for taking the time to spend an afternoon listening to these lectures. I think this is one of the ones uh, I, I feel really strongly about. Um, and funny enough, Jessica and I basically had an email rant at each other about the failure of breweries to do this on a, on a regular basis. And it's actually it's about joined up thinking when it comes to quality control. So we sort of talked to dynamic quality control and brand consistency. So I'd like you to introduce, you, start, introduce yourself, starting with you, Tanya. Yep, uh, my name's Tanya Kondratuk. I'm a quality manager at Northern Monk. Um, before then, I was a lab technician at Goose Island Brewery in Chicago. I'm Jessica. Uh, I'm compliance manager at Beaverton. Um, previously, quality and compliance manager at Four Pure. Um, yeah, I look after complaints, which is kind of where I come into like the quality interface. Okay, Amber. Awesome. Hi, um, I'm Amber. I'm a customer account manager at Arbor, and hopefully, I'm going to bring a little bit of India to. QC wants the beer has left the building and how we can feed that back in to the beginning. Yeah, um, we were also supposed to have uh, Moritz from uh, the Colonel. I'm sure a lot of you know Moritz, but unfortunately, he broke his ankle. So, you know, I'm sure we all send our, our best to him for his recovery. So, but I'm pretty sure that effectively, I can, I can talk about the taproom experience from the other side of the bar at the very least. So, um, I mean, Jessica, I'll, I'll start with you as, as, as an easy going, because I know you guys have been talking between yourselves, so I really want to um, sort of just say, but uh, for me, it really baffles me when there isn't that moment where, for example, salespeople aren't feeding back that there's a problem or a taproom manager isn't paying attention when a customer says, hey, listen, this beer isn't right, or, you know, and so on and so forth. And um, I kind of call it the push me, pull you effect. If those of you know Dr. Doolittle. Um, and so, I mean, how, how, do you, how do you feel it sort of should work? Yeah. 
Um, I think from my side, uh, there, there really needs to be a really strong link between quality and sales, and it needs to go right the way from brewing the entire way through, as you said. Um, for us, I think in like a growth business and when you're like expanding, you end up with a bit of siloing between departments. So quality becomes its own thing, brewing becomes its own thing. Those things are in a silo in themselves being like production departments. And then you've got sales and marketing and they're also a separate silo. And the more that you grow and the more distant you become, like if you're starting with a small brewery and it's like 10 people to start off with, everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows what everybody's doing. Everybody understands the process from start to end. But as you grow, you start to get that distance between them. And it's hard to sometimes foster the knowledge and the care that like expands between those two areas. Yeah. Um, best case scenario, if it's working well, your sales team are engaged. They understand the product really well. They also understand the things that can go wrong whenever it's out in the market as well. And yep. they're able to give you valuable information back again so that you can do proper investigations and also so that then you can feed back to the customer and potentially give them a learning opportunity as well. Um, Brilliant. So they can take it to the next level. Yeah, incredibly yeah. important. Um, folks at the back of the room, if you're going to talk throughout these, these lectures, could you do me the favor of going back into the show, please? Because the decibel levels for the speakers have just gone right up. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Sorry, that's, that's yeah. Fine. yeah, I was just going to touch on the quality side. So obviously from the quality perspective, um, a lot of it becomes into system placement. If you don't have a system in place, uh, you have nothing to maintain. And basically you're going to have a breakdown from your brew house to your packaging to your consumer complaints. Um, a lot of what happens is that sales um, and marketing don't get fully involved in taste panels and recipe production and concept creation. I think that everybody should come together, quality, sales, marketing, brewers, into a room and discuss what the concept should be. If you get into that concept creation early doors, you can have your production team advising how to make the product cheaper, how to make it more affordable, how to um, supply uh, better ingredients that you increase your yield, you reduce your hop usage, you get more affordable yeast, etc. You also have your quality team and your marketing team to kind of advise and tell you what the consumers want, what's playing up in the market, what's going to sell well. If you don't have all those people in the room together to have that conversation at the same time, the product can go way different directions and you can have a sales team that's expecting a different product than what production is actually capable of producing. Um, so it's really important to get all those people in one place. The second thing, um, set up systems into place, uh, consumer complaint system, feedback systems, have your consumers be able to reach out to you. Uh, one of the main things that you should be doing is you should be listening to the audience and you should be listening to what your sales team is telling you. Um, if you don't have those channels where people can come back to you and feed you that feedback, you don't know what to change. Um, in my experience, uh, in other breweries um, and where I'm at now, there seems to be some disconnect as to what is wanted in a product and what is actually we're able to produce, but as long as you keep those lines of communications open, don't just expect that somebody is going to come to you and ask you the question that you need them to ask you. Have those meetings set in place, have your timelines, have your schedules, use, use all the resources you can to make sure that all of your teams are communicating clearly. Because if you don't have those initial conversations at the beginning of creating a concept, you're going to have to struggle through the entirety of that product. And what's going to happen is, 
Um, the product is going to reach the final stage eventually. But there's going to be a lot of hard work. You're going to run into issues like uh, costing. You're going to have to get ingredients last minute. You're going to have to scramble. You're going to have to find um, you know, resources and places you never thought you had to. Um, so in order to avoid that, that all costs money, that all costs time. And at the end of it, you can get a subpar product as well. Um, you don't want that. So involve your marketing, your sales teams, if you're on the quality or production team, in taste panels, in concept creation, and vice versa, sales marketing teams. Involve your QC managers, involve your brewers. Even if it's not a head brewer, even if it's somebody that has really good ideas or has a really good palate or has something to bring to the table, just make sure you're getting those people together to have a conversation. Um, don't have all the teams doing a separate part of the puzzle. Actually make sure you're working in unison together. Brilliant, thank you. I mean, that must be music to your ears. Yeah, do, you, do you quite frequently feel that, um, I, 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 believe, I know that you've worked very hard, with, with, particularly with Arbor, to make sure that you have skin in the game. Do you think in your previous experiences that actually a lack of ownership sometimes of project, projects and not being involved in them and just being told to go on, get out there and sell it, we know it's amazing. <laughs> Is that also a bit demoralizing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the feedback loop has to go all the way. Like when you're when you're being asked, like, oh, what, what the complaints, the etcetera's are coming back. But if that doesn't come from the passion in the first place to be able to say, like, this is what people are asking for. Like the feedback loop can and should be positive as well. I think it's very easy to look at your untapped or if the feedback opportunity is only the complaints file, then all you're hearing is that. Is it me stood near this? That's right. Um, <laughs> so how often are you and how often is the sales team encouraged to go and actively pursue and ask for like good feedback or what are you not doing? Like what is the gaps? So that can feed back into like, oh, hey, like, so did you like this product? It can so easily get funneled into like, did you like this or you didn't like this? So we'll try and fix that one thing rather than hearing in the market that we don't have a lager or essentially like oh, yeah. actually that's the gap and we'll feed that back in yeah. rather than just constantly looking at that one IPA that we really want to fix <laughs> and get nailed where, where, because someone sent a complaint what is the gaps and the extras that we need to, to fill back in and have everybody's conversation and input put into yeah I, I consider untapped a bit like me not going below the line when I yeah. write an article for the telegraph um so <laughs> it's quite nice like, to be the one in control below the line open so, pick that one close yeah. send the relevant yeah. ones there's, there's bound to be an awful lot of angry men who, who think that I don't that I don't know anything about beer because I haven't gone to their tiny little microbrewery <laughs> It's, it's a dreadful, she needs to travel the country, she needs to travel the world. Yeah, I don't do any of that. Anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, I think there is also, and I agree with you, and I think uh, Luca touched on it earlier, is a, um, and actually I, 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 I saw it a bit in myself and I've certainly tried to drive judging tables away from it in, in, in beer judging as well, is a, it's incredibly easy to get into that negative loop. Whether it's uh, the last time you judged, everything was crap that passed your table. And sometimes that just does happen, you know. We all know that there's not all great beer out there. Sometimes it's partly because it's been sitting in the back of a courier's van for six weeks and nobody can do anything about that. Or it's just not a very good brewery and we know that they exist. But it's very easy sometimes to just go, well, I guess that's the 
Rest of a bad bunch, isn't it? As opposed to actually saying, great, this beer's outstanding in its category. And I think that, again, the, the fact that we are having a tough time, nobody's denying that it is a tough time. But I really do think what Luca said earlier was incredibly valuable, is that actually we have had 10 very good years and this is just not a very good time in comparison. So, uh, and, and I think that when we're talking about this, I think, Amber, probably you're, you're a good um, sort of weather vane for this in the sales part, is that I think that if people are expecting that without being you being able to feed back, would you say that it's unreasonable for them to also expect you to be able to sell at the levels you've previously been selling as well? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think for me, it's that this is the point where you can start like turning the dial. Like if it is less like push, 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 push. Okay, so now, now where is QC? Where are we going and making it better? Is everyone now looking at more lower ABV, more like in like, you know, sessionable beers? Are we putting out less high strength stuff? So do we need to like make every single one of them more fine tuned to? be better do we once we've made a really lovely beer got it into a pub need to make sure it's in the right glassware that person knows how to serve it how that clean glass needs to look so once it actually hits the lips of someone that is still the same beer that tanya made great (laughs) by the time someone drank it um, and gets fed back because of something that you weren't in control of yeah, I think that the smartest thing I ever heard from anybody in the industry over my years, it's one of those quotes that sticks in my head, is that if you don't have branded glassware in pubs, why are you even bothering? Because the minute it hits that glass, it could be any liquid. And I think that is a, a, like just a... And I, I assume that our visitors from the continent are going, well, fucking duh. But in the UK, we've been, we've been historically extremely bad at it. And I think, again, that comes down to thinking about every single step throughout the whole process. So if you, if you had one thing that you wish you could change, Tanya, in, in, this, whole, in this whole process, what would it be? Um, I would say get started early and in putting systems into place uh, from brew house to packaging. Uh, one thing that I run into a lot is that people back away and say, that's not my job. Um, in every department, people will say that this is something that this other person was supposed to do or this other person was supposed to do. From your brew house to your seller, to your transfer team, your packaging team, your quality team. Um, the quality doesn't just rely on the people doing quality. You have to have everybody having processes in place to make a stable product throughout. Because in the market that we're in, what consumers are looking for is stability. They're looking for reliability. A lot of the times, um, I know this is personally for me, this is the case. I don't know if it is for you guys. If you walk into a bar, the first one or two beers that you might drink might be this special weird thing on cask and you might want to try it and risk it. After you have your two pints, you're going to look at the tap handle that you rely on because it's your money coming out of your pocket. You don't want to have a bad beer and you know that if you see a tap handle that you trust, you're going to buy that beer maybe a few times. You're going to buy a round of that beer for your friends a few times because you know you're going to get a quality product. That doesn't just happen overnight. So if you're a small brewery starting out, you want to build that brand consistency. And one of the things I feel like small breweries don't do is don't, they don't drive at that brand consistency. You don't have to have the best beer. It would be nice if you had the best beer, but you have to have the most reliable beer because then you have the freedom to make all this other crazy shit out there. And, <laughs> but your customers know that if they see your tap handle, it's going to be reliable because your core brand is reliable. 
Um, so if there's one thing I would change, it's that. But there's another thing is track your beer. So there's two things. It's that. <laughs> track your beer after it leaves the brewery. The responsibility does not end after the beer leaves your brewery. And I'm sure you guys can attest to that. If the beer leaves your brewery and you get bad complaints, you have bad feedback or even good feedback, if you are not tracking that, and it's not just untapped, open up those channels to your consumers. You have social media, you have emails, you have your sales team, marketing team. Open up those lines of communication because your consumers are going to make you money. They're the ones buying your beer. If you have good interactions with them, you can take back their feedback and actually tweak your product to be better. That's going to be a huge game changer. So make sure you, you put those processes in place where you actually have a stable product. Have your upper, lower control limits on everything. Um, I know it's a lot of paperwork, it's a lot of data, and people don't like to do it, and it doesn't just lie with your quality team. It should be the ownership of everybody in every department in a brewery. But if you can get stability, you're going to get that trust from the customers because they know if they see your tap handle in the bar, they're going to spend money on it. And yeah. I think in this climate, it's really important to do that, especially if you want to move on from that and create weird brews and experiment more. You need to create that trust first. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, as much as I joked about Untap there, I, I know that there are a number of people who have actually used it when they're potentially concerned about the fact that everywhere else it's received brilliant, mm -hmm. but there's two places where people are checking in where they're constantly getting slagged. And it's a 50% hit rate of going in and saying, hey, listen, don't wish me fun. When did you last clean your lines? Can we have a conversation about maybe, maybe you're struggling? Can we help replace your lines? Or can, you, can we bring in our, our, our QC folks? Can we bring in our seller management folks? You know, can we help you a little bit? It, is, it, it can be a helpful tool in that. And sometimes you actually have to say, do you know what? That sale isn't worth it. Yeah, it's literally the hardest conversation to have, <laughs> but I've had to do it a few times. Generally, at the point that you're having these conversations, it's mostly rate of sale anyway. Like once you're getting to the point that you're having conversations that it's not tasting great and it's not going yeah. through the bar fast enough, like you can pretty quickly get to a contingent with someone that like, actually, this isn't the best beer for you to be serving either. Like this, we tried this, maybe it's a different style or to be honest, go try somebody else, hopefully that works for you, but we're, we're not going to continue working with you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very much, it's not me, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the most, world's most gentle breakup. Um, but also, I mean, it's so, uh, sort of to go right back to our first speaker yesterday, Emma, Emma Rounds, who's one of the co-founders of Tonkotsu, said the hardest thing that she's had to learn in her entire, entire, her entire career is how to fire people. And I think, you know, that's a, that, you know having to fire customers it's, it's not great for your rate of sale, but if you, if, yeah. again, if you've got that conversation all the way through the brewery, I'm sure that helps, right? Yeah, sure. cool. <laughs> so, okay, 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 sorry, I answered my, my apologies. I answered my own well. question there. Sorry about that. Um, Jessica. <laughs> so what, what would be the one thing you would change? Um, I think the main thing for me is empowering people with knowledge and information, um, especially from like, to, like, taking people from the quality and the brewing side and empowering them with the information about that, about, about sales, how the beer is sold, how it's marketed, and then vice versa, how is the beer made? What is the quality process? You know, sometimes you might get a complaint that comes in and it says something about the beer and you just know from that complaint that there's not really an understanding there of like actually the processes that are, are happening in the background to try and make sure that that doesn't end up being the case. 
um, I think building that sort of knowledge with your salespeople and with your marketing teams also helps to provide value to customers at the end of the day. So they're getting a great product, but they also know a bit more about the product. They know about the brand. They understand what goes into it. Um, and your salespeople feel more confident, more empowered, more informed to be able to go in and have those conversations, whether mm -hmm. they are difficult ones or whether they're like actually positive ones or like catching something that like, oh, we've had a couple of issues with you recently. You've had like a couple of batches that have turned sour. How, how can we help you through that? And like letting people know different things about like how often you should be cleaning your lines, um, even things like adjusting pressure and stuff. Sometimes people in sales don't actually know what that means. Or we found that in our case where like, as we've grown, we've got a much more diverse background of people who are coming into the business, which means that they aren't always that experienced in beer or in sellers. So they might not have the confidence to say to a customer, actually, if you give this a try, it might help you out next time. Um, so I think that adds value for the customer. It adds value for us because we're able to like get more reliable information back. It adds value for the sales team. They're more engaged. Everybody feels like they're working together more. It's a better place to work. Yeah. And it also supports like the brand as a whole, because as you, as you mentioned, Tanya, it bring, brings that reliability to it. And you yeah. know that if you see that top handle, if you see that brand, you're going to buy it because you know that it's, it's yeah. a reliable brand. Brilliant. Do you have the one thing? Ooh, it's, it is exactly what Jess says, but I'll literally in this push and pull me, take it out and take it into the on-trade in particular, I think. Um, especially in the conversation we're having about cask earlier as well. The, the hospitality industry is in really difficult times right now. And we do have the ability as craft brewers to put a shitload of value into it, actually take that training with the sales staff, take that then to the hospitality, make them really see this as an industry that they can stay in, make them responsible for the quality, like set fun targets for your, like for your pubs that you're working with, like get them selling more, get, reward them with more training if they do, you know, really like get them engaged and, and, and push the industry back on its feet again and that's only what's going to help us in turn yeah very much so if you've got if you've got people i mean i think again you know one of the pieces of research data that, that's always stuck in my head and it's always like every press release i've, I've got i go to sort a of biannual basis and I say what's the number one driver if you do not walk to a bar and you don't know what you're going to have the number one driver by like leaps and bounds i think it's about 80 percent of people respond it's always between sort of 75 and 80 percent of people will respond it will be staff recommendation and if you don't if they don't know what to recommend then why why don't they what have you what have you not record what why have you not trained them have you not given them that power and that confidence to recommend your product it's a big problem with cars but yeah <laughs> Ladies, we're going to go to Q and A's now. So, has anybody got any questions? Oh, I, I thought I saw somebody's hand twitch. From <laughs> uh, no, we all good. Right? Can I? Oh, have you got a question? No, you, no, Covered you were stretching. But, or do you need to go to the loo? Either way, that's fine. You don't have to put your hand up. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, can we have a massive round of applause for our fantastically talented panel? Thank you ever so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. The Brewers Journal podcast is a production of Reby Media, produced and hosted by Tim Sheehan. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. Special thanks to Melissa Cole, Tanya Kondratuk, Jessica May, 
and Amber Thorne.